Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we are diving into the multidimensional world of the climate book. This book, authored by the inspirational Swedish environmental activist Greta Thunberg, is a comprehensive exploration of the intricate relationships between climate change, politics, and media. Published in 2023, the climate book brings together the voices of over a hundred experts from various fields, providing a rich tapestry of insights. It highlights the interconnectedness of global issues while calling attention to the urgent need for systemic change. But this is more than a diagnostic manual. It offers practical, actionable steps towards a sustainable and equitable future, making it a handbook for anyone invested in the fight against climate change. As the youthful dynamo behind the global youth climate movement, Greta Thunberg has become a global icon, recognized for her relentless efforts to combat climate change. She has been lauded worldwide, earning numerous accolades, including Time's Person of the Year in 2019. The Climate Book is a must-read for everyone concerned about the health and future of our planet. It offers invaluable insights for climate activists looking to bolster their tactics arsenal. Likewise, politicians and journalists who aspire to be part of the solution, not the problem, will find in this book a comprehensive guide to understanding and addressing one of the defining challenges of our time. Tune in to this episode of 20 Minute Books for a deep dive into the climate book and discover how you can be part of the change that our world so urgently needs. The Climate Book, The Facts and the Solutions Introduction Step into a journey of awareness, learning about climate change. Living in today's era, it's almost impossible not to have heard of Greta Thunberg. This tenacious Swedish climate crusader sparked the Fridays for Future movement, an international effort where students protest each week, demanding resolution for climate change. Would it surprise you to know that her intention was never to become the face of a global protest? Greta's initial goal was quite simple, to educate people about the climate predicament by distributing flyers full of facts and insights. Despite the growth and transformation of her movement, this focus on knowledge sharing and education remains critically important in the ongoing battle against climate change. Because only once we fully comprehend the matter can we understand what actions are necessary to combat it? Indeed, transforming the political landscape is possible through raising awareness and expanding knowledge. But to achieve this, we must first confront inconvenient truths and tough facts. That's what this narrative is here for. So, let's delve deep into the struggle against climate change, exploring how comprehending the issue can be the ignition we need to take the crucial steps toward addressing it. Part 1. The Unexpected Villain in Our Climate Story the media. If you were asked to name the largest contributor to our planet's gradual destruction, what comes to mind? Perhaps it's the fossil fuel industry, deforestation, or excessive industrial fishing, or maybe even the manufacturing of non-essential products. Surprisingly though, the real antagonist of this narrative is the media. It may sound outlandish, but let's delve a bit deeper. Those damaging industries we instinctively identify as environmental culprits are often supported and enabled by the media, 
newspapers, magazines, radio, and television. More often than not, these platforms give them the tacit approval to continue wreaking environmental havoc. They've even been known to discredit and vilify those who dare to challenge the economic system, propelling us towards disaster. Our modern media has often misled us about the choices we face, distracting us with inconsequential news, misdirecting blame, and veiling the true source of our problems. They've worked to justify a political economy that disproportionately benefits an elite few, allowing them to exploit and exhaust natural resources without check. Regrettably, even public service broadcasters have more frequently caused harm than good. The BBC, for example, has largely dismissed numerous environmental proposals, and when they do produce environmental documentaries, they often make grave errors. The balance of airtime between climate deniers and climate scientists has been skewed, with the former often getting more exposure. Additionally, advertisers have manipulated us into overconsuming, further burdening Earth's resources. Without the media's backing, governments and industries would be forced to address the calls for change. However, it's not all doom and gloom. Media outlets like The Guardian, Al Jazeera and El País have consistently illuminated the severity of our environmental crisis. We need more media platforms to prioritize coverage of our existential conundrum and to cease their misleading narratives spun on behalf of harmful industries. Equally, developing effective alternatives like Mongabay, Democracy Now! and the TE is a critical step forward. In truth, our current efforts are not adequate. The COVID-19 pandemic demonstrated how rapidly the world can change when fear takes root and people strive to protect their loved ones. The same urgency should be applied to the climate crisis. If we fail to recognize the severity of the situation, we're setting ourselves up for peril. Effective movements require a diverse range of skills, and communication is paramount among them. By recentering global attention and altering the narrative, robust media, working hand in hand with powerful campaigners in various fields, can compel governments to take decisive action and help avert environmental ruin. Part 2 Lessons from History Devising Effective Strategies to Counter a Crisis. Though the reality of climate change is well established, our collective actions towards its mitigation appear considerably inadequate. However, glimmers of hope shine through in the face of historical emergencies, such as Canada's approach during World War II, showcasing four distinct indicators when a government truly adopts an emergency mode. Regrettably, in the context of climate change, our current governmental efforts fall short on all these measures. First and foremost, tackling an emergency necessitates allocating whatever funds are required for triumph. Case in point, Canada's massive expenditures during World War II and the COVID-19 pandemic. However, when scrutinized in the light of climate action, the governmental spending is rather scant compared to what experts believe is necessary. Next, in times of crisis, governments often establish new economic institutions to execute the task at hand. During World War II, Canada brought to life 28 public corporations to aid the war efforts. Similarly, during the pandemic, several economic support programs were initiated across the globe. If the climate emergency were taken with a similar degree of seriousness, 
public corporations would be set up to manufacture and deploy renewable energy infrastructure on a large scale. Think heat pumps, solar panels, and wind farms. Moving on, emergency situations call for a shift from voluntary and incentive-based policies to mandatory measures. The implementation of goods rationing and individual sacrifices during World War II, along with health orders and shutting down of non-essential sectors during the pandemic, are prime examples. For the climate emergency, it could mean actions like banning the sale of new fossil fuel-driven vehicles by a definite deadline, or mandating all new buildings to operate on renewable energy. Lastly, there's a dire need to be honest about the crisis's magnitude. During World War II, leaders were transparent about the situation, and their statements were backed up by the media and arts sector. This level of urgency needs to be mirrored in the climate emergency scenario. This could mean implementing regular press briefings and government advertisements to elevate climate literacy, along with daily media reports to track progress in combating climate change. The past serves as a guiding beacon for the future. Governments have been successful in orchestrating monumental changes before, and it's time to rise to the occasion again. Because when it comes down to it, the very survival of our planet is hanging in the balance. Part 3. Moving Towards an Equitable Transformation You've probably noticed how we compartmentalize various issues when discussing political change, each in its little box, environment, inequality, racial and gender justice, education, health. This is called silo thinking, and it poses a problem since it hinders us from seeing how these issues interconnect. For instance, the climate crisis ties closely to military occupation, as the insatiable desire for fossil fuels triggers armed conflict. Thus, to bring about impactful changes, we need to break these silos and consolidate the most extensive and influential movements possible. This is precisely where the idea of a just transition enters the equation. It essentially implies addressing environmental concerns while ensuring fair treatment for all. The concept encompasses more than just renewable energy. It's about creating quality jobs, community welfare, and rectifying historical wrongs. Several strategies, such as the Green New Deal and similar initiatives, embody this principle. They acknowledge the necessity to tackle these intertwined crises concurrently. Understanding that marginalized communities, such as Black, Indigenous, and immigrant groups, often bear the brunt of environmental disasters. Consequently, any proposed solutions need to prioritize their needs, offering them leading roles in constructing the new green infrastructure. For instance, developing green energy cooperatives and community-owned microgrids could ensure that profits and benefits remain within the community, giving those affected by pollution in the past a voice in shaping the future green world. Another key aspect of a just transition involves recognizing professions like teaching, child and elderly care, and art creation as low-carbon or green jobs. This would value women's labor appropriately in the forthcoming economy. By investing in care sector jobs and ensuring a living wage, we could decrease our dependence on roles that promote wasteful consumption and hazardous extraction. Let's not overlook the workers in polluting industries. They'll need support while transitioning into new roles. 
This would necessitate substantial investments in retraining workers for a post-carbon economy, with workers actively participating in designing these programs. This could involve safeguarding workers' income during this transition and creating jobs in areas like rehabilitation and restoration of lands damaged by extraction. Lastly, it's vital to recognize that the major polluters and the affluent must foot the bill for this transition. The capital exists, it's just the courage that's missing. The parties and institutions that benefited the most from pollution should be held accountable for mending the resulting damage. This includes not only corporations and wealthy individuals, but also nations of the global north who have been pumping carbon into the atmosphere for centuries. By doing this, we can collectively work towards creating a world that's better for all, including our planet. Part 4. Moving forward, what's our plan? Imagine this. You're a resident of Warsaw, deciding to buy the most eco-friendly tomatoes at your local grocery store. Should you opt for the organic ones imported from Spain or the non-organic ones grown domestically in Poland? In reality, neither choice is genuinely sustainable, which points to a broader issue. The battle against climate change can't be won solely by making individual conscious purchasing decisions. While supporting organic farming practices and reducing personal consumption is commendable, it's inadequate to reach our climate goals. We need to emphasize systemic change, holding our governments and corporations accountable. Take voting, for instance. It's crucial. But what if none of the candidates prioritize climate change action? The stark truth is, living sustainably in an inherently unsustainable world is a challenge, and expecting individuals to offset the wrongdoings of governments, media, multinational corporations, and billionaires is unjust. A multi-layered approach encompassing both structural and individual actions is needed to make a difference. However, this doesn't imply that we as individuals are powerless. We can affect change, starting with redefining our notions of hope and progress, ensuring these terms aren't associated with destruction. Once we quit the illusion of solving this crisis without fundamentally transforming our societies, we can commence action. So, how can you contribute? Initially, become an activist. It's the most potent way to make a difference, advocate for change shift societal norms, and amplify voices that need to be heard, employ nonviolence and civil disobedience, participate in marches, boycotts, and strikes. We need billions to pave the way for a better future. One significant personal change you can make is transitioning to a plant-based diet. Doing so could potentially save up to 8 billion tons of CO2 annually and play a crucial role in preserving habitats of most wild plants and animals. Considering that we kill over 70 billion animals every year, excluding fish, adopting veganism is a worthy consideration. However, bear in mind that veganism is mostly a privilege of affluent citizens in the global north. Many regions globally maintain sustainable small-scale food production involving fish, meat, and dairy especially indigenous communities and areas in the global south. Air travel, another privilege, isn't environmentally friendly. While completely abandoning it might not be feasible, opting to fly less and exploring alternative modes of travel 
can significantly benefit the environment. Renouncing the privilege to fly can also highlight the existing global inequalities, as numerous individuals in the global south who bear the brunt of climate change don't have the means to air travel. Finally, you can contribute by consuming less, reusing more, as well as repairing, swapping, and borrowing items. But ensure you're doing it as a form of activism or a moral choice, not as a consumer. We need a drastic reduction in resource usage, a problem that cannot be solved solely by individuals or without a systemic change. In conclusion, substantial political changes are always spurred by massive collective actions. Be it the civil rights movement, the suffragettes, or the Stonewall riots, only when large groups unite can we effect positive change. So, the next time a Fridays for Future demonstration is announced, make a point to participate. You won't regret it. Final summary. Our media has played a significant role in damaging our planet, often backing destructive industries while propagating misinformation about our environmental crisis. The need for more media platforms to place our existential threat at the forefront is crucial. Past crises like COVID-19 demonstrated our government's ability to adopt an emergency mindset and take swift action. However, the same urgency is missing in their approach to climate change, marked by a lack of necessary funding, the creation of relevant economic institutions, the adoption of compulsory measures, and truthful communication about the crisis. We need a just transition that repairs the environment while ensuring fair treatment for all. Lastly, individual choices alone are insufficient to combat climate change. Becoming an activist, transitioning to a plant-based diet, reducing air travel, and curbing consumption can make a significant difference, but it's also paramount to instigate systemic change to truly resolve the climate crisis. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then. Happy reading and happy listening.